You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, everybody. Hopefully, everybody has had a great weekend. Uh, This is a bonus podcast. This podcast was a hunter profile that I did a while back and uh, just now remembered it so I wanted to get it out for you guys to you know give a listen to it's uh, Justin Landman from southwest Pennsylvania and he is going to talk about deer hunting in his neck of the woods and uh, some of the products that he uses and uh, just uh, the the trials and tribulations of being a new hunter so hopefully you guys enjoy this i'm going to keep the intro short so enjoy all right on the phone with me today is justin landman how you doing today justin oh i'm doing pretty good dan so uh you reached out to me uh via facebook and you're like hey man i'll do a hunter profile uh podcast with you and i you sent me a little uh i guess a little background about uh where you live and and some of the your hunting experiences sent me a couple pictures and uh i'm like you know what let's do it so before we get into all that um why don't you tell us where you live and what do you do for a living well dan i live in southwestern pennsylvania i am a union sheet metal worker by trade but uh i usually just work in the office on a computer all day drawing jobs and CAD so I know about the uh, computer life (laughs) yeah I hear that so (laughs) you work you work for a sheet metal union but you're actually uh in the office doing uh like design work yeah for the most part now if it does get slow like right now I'll venture out to the shop make some duct but uh usually our busier times as far as drafting was, it's usually in the winter, which kind of sucks. Yeah. So. Okay. So then, um, what what does a union sheet? I mean, what do you guys do? You just make sheet metal for uh, like big metal side like siding on buildings, or what does that all entail? Well, with our company, it's probably one of the biggest ones around in this area um pretty much we make ductwork for hvac systems uh usually bigger jobs like schools uh hospitals and stuff like that now we make it we install it but we also make it and sell it pretty much across the u.s and there's been uh times we shipped it overseas too okay so uh, it keeps you busy, right? And it pays the bills? Oh, yeah. Nice, yep. nice. Okay, so Southwest, uh, 
your Southwest Pennsylvania. You know, uh, I get a lot of guys on the show who hunt that, uh, the golden triangle of Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, <laughs> and, uh, uh, even up into New York. Uh, we've, we've talked to a lot of guys, uh, on there, but Southwestern Pennsylvania, what's the, what's the hunting like there? Um, it's, I mean, it's pretty high pressure. I would say as far as bow season, it's usually on the weekends. Um, but we get, uh, a lot of people usually come from Pittsburgh that I've ran into. Okay. That come down this way. All right. So do you spend most of your time on public land? Yes. A hundred percent of the time. hundred, hundred percent of the time on public ground. Okay. So is this, is, how far is this ground from your house? Is it uh, out your back door, or do you have to travel for that a bit? Um, heck, there's thousands of acres within 15 minutes. There's uh, We have state game lands, and there's, about, there's one area that's about 16,000 acres, and that's a 10-minute drive from my house. Nice. Um, we also have, like, state parks, state forests. And between the state park and state forest, uh, there's about 80,000 acres. And that's all pretty close, too. Right. So you definitely have options as far as public ground is concerned. Oh, yeah. Like, to to keep away from people, there's definitely options. It's just uh, doing your research. Right, right. So... You know, we talk a lot about public land on this podcast and some of the challenges that it brings. Uh, and there's kind of this consistency that, you know, people who are successful on public land tend to be the kind of people who aren't afraid to hike in long distances or put in the extra time scouting or, um, uh, you know, basically do whatever it takes. So, you know, how long have you been hunting on some of these public land pieces? I've been hunting uh, since I've been 12 years old. Okay. How old um, are you now? I'm currently 26. Okay. All right. So you got 14 years roughly under your belt, and you, you've been hunting these same properties, uh, or you have history with these same properties that you're currently hunting today, correct? Yes. Um, same properties. I, I tend to venture new areas, new access okay. points. Yeah. Right, right. So so talk. let's talk a little bit about that, uh, first of all. When you, you know, over the years you've been hunting this public, these public grounds, what does it take for you to run into... I, and there's, there's so many questions that I, I could ask you, you know, access routes and, and stuff like that. But when you go into a piece of public prop, you know, a public ground to hunt it, what are, what are you looking for? Um, well, for the areas that I hunt, I kind of live like it's more mountain, um, okay. little, you know, farmland and stuff. So I'm usually looking for benches. Uh, with, you know, deer trails that seem to be used pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, there's one area where there's three or four valleys with small streams come down 
and they all meet join in one and that seems to be a good uh good area where they cross okay any uh anything else that you look for when you're when you head into the uh uh head into the timber as far as when do you do i tell you what when do you do uh scouting do you do uh late season scouting before after the season's over uh do you do any shed hunting do you do any type of uh uh preseason scouting or is it just kind of all on the fly well i try to do a little preseason scouting when i can um i do have two kids so it's kind of rough to get to the woods sometimes um right so I try to hang out or hang as many trail cameras as possible. Um, and when I get a chance to go out on a Saturday, I'll take some time, walk around, try to you know find areas that I think will be good. Um, okay. So it's usually, I do a good bit of running and gunning. Gotcha. So gotcha. On the fly so, in, the, in the fall. Right. Okay. So... On these on these pieces of public land that you uh, that you've been hunting for all these years, do you have um, on one of my last podcasts that we've done that I did? There's a guy named Mike Perry, and Mike uh, basically finds over the years now he's accumulated a, a handful of good spots. So my question is to you: You've been hunting, you know, some of these areas for you know. Uh, 15 years or for, close to 14 years now do you have a handful of good spots that you go back to every year or or does it change so much every year that you have to be you know completely mobile well i do have a handful of them um it depends i will go back to them every year but it depends on what's running in that area um, usually, you know, rut time comes, so you might see something new, but, uh, yeah, I tend to try to get, you know, hit them at least a couple times each year. Right. Right. So then, you know, with that said, uh, and you mentioned you run trail cameras. So how, how important are trail cameras to, I guess your scouting regimen or, you know, where you go and set up every year? Well, um, it depends on what I'm seeing on the trail camera. Um, I know one area I will hit even if I don't see anything because there seems to be uh, bucks that travel from different areas still come through there during the rut. Okay. Um, So I do try to get some sort of inventory with the trail camera. So does that allow you, I mean, are the results of the trail cameras allowing you to make decisions on where you're going to be hunting? Like if you go to check trail cameras and you see a buck, are you saying, Hey, I need to, I need to go in after this buck. Or are you saying, well, I'm going to hunt here anyway. I'll I'll just use that information for the next year. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, if I do see a nice one, I will try to go in after it, try to hunt that area more often, but not, you know, not too much so that it doesn't, you know, spook the deer away. Okay. So let's see here. Um, 
you said you started hunting when you were 12. How old were you when you started going out and hunting by yourself with a bow? Like when you were a, a self-sufficient bow hunter? I would say 16, right when I started driving is when I started hunting by myself with a bow. Okay. So as soon as you got your car, you were out. Yeah. Okay. So as bow hunters, you know, I talk a lot about this, but failure, obviously, if we can learn from our failure, then we can become uh, more, you know, efficient bow hunters. We can probably have better success if we learn from our mistakes and whatnot. But, you know, as a kid, you know, and transitioning to uh, a young adult like you are today, what um, what are some of the things that you've learned that have helped you become a better bow hunter over the you know the last you know ten years or so? Well, at first I really didn't know how the rut worked when I first started bow hunting. Um, so I would just pretty much go into the woods, climb up a tree, and if something came by that'd have been great, but. Um, as I've been in the woods more often and had friends that bow hunted more, um, I really got to see how, how everything worked. And then, uh, pretty much reading upon it, listening, you know, to podcasts and whatnot, um, helped me understand more of how to play the wind, you know, finding pinch points and bedding areas to set near. Right. Okay. So you, you used, you mentioned friends, right? Um, did you have any, did you have any mentors, uh, that were, you know, that you used growing up to ask questions to, to, you know, like, Hey, I, you know, what do I need to do? How do I need to do it? Or did you have like a father or an uncle that helped, you know, kind of taught you the ropes or were you kind of teaching yourself? Uh, my dad taught me a good bit. Um, he was never like a hardcore bow hunter. Um, now he diehard deer hunter, but he never really, uh, got into using tree stands you know, he was pretty much more or less out for the meat. Okay. And then is that something that, you know, you decided to, to do? I mean, are, are you a, are you a, a buck hunter or are you a, a brown it's down hunter or do you strictly go after meat? A little bit of both. Um, I try more now to get the older ones um in pennsylvania you know you have to have you know the point restriction right so you kind of you you kind of got to watch and actually see what the buck is um but i've noticed like this past year i let i let some walk that previously in my younger days i probably would have shot okay and uh, that's based off of the antler restrictions. Uh, what what are the antler restrictions in Pennsylvania? 
Well, for the area I live in, it is three points, including the brow time. On one so side. So you could have, yeah, you could have two up in the brow time, and that would be legal. Okay. Um, now, if you went down the road, let's see, it would be the western part of the state, far west, like bordering Ohio. They have a three up. So it, it, you have to have three up with or without a brow time. Okay. I gotcha. So basically it has to be, uh, it has to be an eight pointer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. So, you know, over the years, uh, you've, you've kind of transitioned into, you know, kind of trying to take out the, the older, more mature deer out of the herd. Um, you know, and we often hear, we often hear Pennsylvania being a very difficult state to hunt as far as, um, not a lot of mature deer, not a lot, you know, high pressure, uh, lots of hunters. How have you been able to overcome some of those op- obstacles, uh, while hunting? Well, I mean, I can't say I've overcome it cause I haven't really found a lot yet. Um, I guess that would be, that'd be where you have to do your research and, uh, your scouting to be able to, you know, pick or find the areas where these mature ones are running around. Um, I haven't yet been able to do that yet. Okay. This past year I've seen, uh, I saw one, it was, I would say it was probably a two and a half, maybe a three and a half, but it was during the rut so he was moving constantly never really got to still look at him right. um so i got you know trail camera in that area now to see if he's still running around um i would say he was an eight point but like i said i never really got a chance to look at him standing still right so you would so you consider yourself kind of a a new like a, a new hunter still, right? Yes. Okay. All right. So you're, you're in that learning mode. You're trying to become better every year. Um, so let me kind of, uh, flip the script here a, a bit and ask the question, what are, what are your goals every year when you go into the timber? Um, talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I would I would have to say my goal is at least to be able to shoot three and a half successfully. Okay. Um, and then move up from there. Okay, and that's in Pennsylvania, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. So you know, with you being uh, kind of a new hunter. Um, what are some things that have in the past, let's say the past five years, how have you been successful harvesting a three-year-old deer in the past five years consistently? No, uh-uh. the, no. the last deer I've shot, it was, uh, the one I sent you a picture of that was back in 2013. Okay. All right. So you've, have you struck out since then? Uh, 
Buckwise, yes. Okay. All right. So let's talk about that a little bit. I want to talk to you a little bit about what what is preventing you from accomplishing that goal? What are some obstacles that you've uh, that you've faced uh, while while hunting? Whether it's you know hunting or outside of hunting that has kept you from you know harvesting you know a buck every year. Well, um, for one, life. Right. Um, absolutely. My daughter. My daughter was born. Let's see, 2014, October 30th. All right. So that was a rough year. Right. Um, and then we got married after that, you know, bought a house. Um, other than that, like last year, I was able to get into the uh, timber for a whole week, um, found an area, and with the uh, buck I was telling you about, I was in the right area, just never the right tree. Right. I've seen okay. him probably out of five days of hunting. I saw him, I don't know, about six times. All right. How much time a year do you get to dedicate towards hunting? Um, I try to go every weekend and then, uh, I will take a week off trying to, like the second week in November. Right. And, uh, so, so that's something that you do consistently. Yeah. When I can, um, like with my department, there's only three of us. So, and we all hunt. So we kind of got to schedule around each other. Right. So sometimes I'll have to take like the last week of October or the first week of November. And ours usually, our archery season usually goes out uh, second week of November. Okay. And then it goes into the so, gun hunts. Yeah. Then uh, okay. you get a week break and then it's uh, it's bear season. And then right after that, it's uh, deer season. So. Okay. So, you know, you said you, you were in the right area, but in the wrong tree. Do you feel that if you could go back and, you know, in regards to last year's hunt, uh, if you could go back and do things a little bit differently, what would you do? Um, probably after the, let's see, I'd probably uh, take more time to, to look at a better tree where I would have more visibility and shooting lanes. Right. Because... Um, the deer it did come through within shooting distance it just i i didn't have a shot because there was some thick brush in the way so right okay so you had a you had a shooting lane issue right yeah okay so is that something that you typically try to do or when you're doing your run and gun type setups do you just set up and don't trim uh yeah i set up i don't trim um I usually, I try to look from the ground and try to pick the best tree possible. Sometimes that doesn't always work though. Right. Okay. So, um, maybe take some time to, uh, so this upcoming year, you know, we're going to talk about last year, previous years, maybe uh, mistakes, and then we're going to try to, you know, um, apply those to this upcoming year. So, uh, 
you need to, sounds like you need to maybe take a, a pole saw into the timber with you and cut, you know, some small shooting lanes. Um, are you getting, are you getting busted at all? Uh, actually, no. No. Okay. No. Nope. So you, you didn't get busted at all this, uh, um, this last year when you were out chasing this buck? No, uh-uh. I did, uh, I did try the, uh, nose jammer. And they were traveling on the trail, you know, that I've have crossed. Um, none of them seem to spook to it. So, right. Okay. Other than that, uh, you know, going in and do, do you think this last year was just kind of a, a, a bad luck where it, you know, the deer could have came through the area and I've had, I've had situations like that where I played cat and mouse in this small little pinch point with a buck. And I think I moved, oh, six or seven times in this, I want to say 50 yard by 50 yard, uh, little area that was a pinch point. And I, I still never got the buck basically just because of bad luck. He came through there like three times in the, uh, I want to say seven days I was hunting in that area and, uh, you know, just kind of bad, you know, it was bad luck. The buck just never presented an opportunity. Uh, when I was in that, uh, area, he just either went too far North or too far West or whatever. Do you think bad luck played into this? Or do you think that if you could go back in time, you would have been able to, uh, get closer to him because you knew what you were doing? Uh, I think it was more bad luck than anything because most of the deer stayed on this same trail. Um, and then he just seemed to be about, uh, I'd say about 10 yards to the north of it. Right. And uh, now I did see him come down this trail previous day um, when I was set up in a different location. So, I mean, it was a little bit of cat and mouse, and then uh, it just, I've seen him multiple times. He never came directly in one of my routes. Right. Okay. So, over the years, then, um, you know, you you get to, basically for your rut, you get to take dedicate one week. Uh, So, are you fairly aggressive with your movements, or do you, like, your approach to that one week or do you take time and, you know, go have sit in the same tree every, you know, every day or go, I don't know. Uh, are I guess, are you aggressive? Well, uh, prior to this, this was a new area I was hunting. Um, right. So I would go out there on Saturday and, that's when I first spotted him. Um, so it was more or less an observation stand. Meanwhile, this uh, this area, it's probably maybe 50 yards from a hiking trail. Okay. And uh, the deer seemed to cross that hiking trail. And, you know, there's a little deer trail that runs down through there. Um so there was days where I'd be sitting in a tree and there'd be people walking past. Heck, I was probably 20 yards from the trail the one day and had people walk past. 
Okay. And, and the deer, never bothered the deer. Bothered you, the deer. Okay, so they were used to that. Yeah, yeah. So this wasn't just public hunting. This was uh, public usage, like hikers and bicyclists as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was on a state park. Oh, okay. So the deer were used to humans' intrusion somewhat. Yeah. Okay. Um, Now... You mentioned you were only just a, a, a couple yards off of this particular trail, uh, 20 yards off this trail. Did you set up there because you had intel that told you to set up there? Or why did you set up so close to that trail as opposed to going in as deep as possible? Well, this was uh, a new area I was hunting. So I pretty much I went in during hunting season because i haven't you know spotted any decent bucks anywhere else um so i went in you know i found i just started looking for sign and where it led me i wasn't uh i wasn't 20 yards off the trail to begin with i was you know down over the hill some and uh it was probably, I don't know, about 150 yards from the trail because right. I didn't want to go too far and waste my time. Yeah. So I sat up there, and then that's when I've noticed these deer. They seem to come along this, uh, I would say it's a little bench area. It's kind of thick. But I've noticed right. they would come through there, jump up over the hill, and out you know, another trail, which would lead them to... Uh, the hiking trail and they would cross the hiking trail and go into some more thick stuff. Okay. So when, when they were, when they were, was that going to bedding or was that a a morning or an evening hunt? Uh, those were both evening hunts coming from the bedding and, uh, I would assume they were going to food sources. Okay. And were, were those food sources then like a acorn acorns or was there was there any agriculture in the area no it's all it's all big timber okay so probably acorns or other type of uh browse yeah okay so that's why you decided to make you you saw some deer movement and that's why you decided to move to that area because they were crossing that trail uh towards the end of the end of the hunt yes okay all right. So now, um, do you have a game plan put together for that particular area, uh, for this upcoming season or, uh, are you, do you plan to do any additional scouting? What's, uh, what's your plan for this upcoming season, uh, to capitalize on what you've learned last season? Um, I do have a trail camera set out. Uh, I'll see what I have on it. Um, but I will have a, a better tree hopefully picked out with better shooting lanes. Um, you know, that way, uh, if I do have a pretty decent inventory on that area, I'll be able to sneak in there. Nice. So um, you're going to be addressing access routes as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the access route, I mean, it's pretty, pretty easy. 
with the hiking trail there. So the deer seem to be used to that human scent on the hiking trail. Right. Um, so I will use a nose jammer though to try to hide it as much as possible. Okay. Um, so it, I mean, it all depends on the wind in that area. Have you, uh, had seen good results with nose jammer? Yeah. I mean, uh, I used it this year and I'm pretty impressed. They never, uh, they never winded it and never caught my scent off the ground. Um, so it seemed to work pretty well. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, just kind of a, a quick question. Uh, what kind of, uh, hunting equipment are you using? Um, as far as, Let's start with your bow. Let's just uh, kind of okay. r- run down the list of equipment that you're using. We'll start with the bow. All right. The bow I have, it's a Elite Impulse 31. Okay. Um, yeah, 70-pound draw. Uh, the, the arrows for it are the uh, Eastern Access. Okay. And then I, I do use uh, lighted knocks. I gotcha. know I've uh, heard your last podcast where you <laughs> wasn't so thrilled with them, but I've had some uh, success with them. So okay, they okay, seem to so work for me. <clears throat> let's talk about your elite real quick. Um, uh-huh. You know, there, there's there's tons of different bows on the market. What uh, what drew you to elite, and why did you decide to go with that uh, that bow? Well, uh, to begin with, I did have a Matthews Creed solo cam. Um, I love that bow. And some unfortunate things happened, and it got stolen. Oh, Um, man. Yeah, uh, that was was a sickening day. But uh, anyhow, so once I got, you know, time to go back, get another one, I did test the... The Halon was brand new then, right. so I tried that out, and I've heard that Elite was, you know, a pretty decent bow too. So I wanted to try them both out, and I wasn't too impressed with the Halon. Um, it seemed like it was a rough draw. Okay. And uh, that, and I wasn't, you know, completely used to the dual cam, and right. uh, <clears throat> but they didn't have unless you wanted. I think it was the the Z seven or something like that. Right. That was the only solo cam bow that they had. And it was pretty much just a repeat version of, you know, the previous year. Right. So, so from there I went to the elite and, uh, I was pretty impressed with the lead. It wasn't as rough on the draw, but what really sold me is the back wall. Um, once you're back there, even the, uh, the guy helped me out at the uh, archery shop. He told me, he's like, go ahead and uh, try to release that bow. Just let it down easily like you're not going to shoot. And I pretty much took all of my weight, all my strength off of that, and it still wasn't letting down. I was like, wow. <laughs> right. I was like, okay. So, I mean, you could probably hold it pretty, pretty long. Yeah, I mean, okay. it seemed pretty solid, so. And that's why you decided to go with the elite then. 
Yeah, it wasn't wasn't as jumpy, you know. Okay. So, so after shooting that a while, I take it you, uh, I take it you 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 really started to like it. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, it you know it does everything I needed to do. Yeah, I ain't worried about it being fast and nothing like that. Okay, but. Now, uh, arrows, uh, what about tree stands? Uh, tree stands, I do have a couple lock-ons. I did, uh, I used to put them out, leave them out, but, yeah, I've, I've seen that that doesn't really help me much. Um, using the same, you know, hunting in the same spots, it just doesn't seem to work very well for me. So I've been using a, uh, a climber. Because the area I hunt, it's a lot of big timber. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to find a tree just to go up and in. Um, right. So a climber, uh, a climber you, you feel works best. What about when you run into maybe a, a situation where uh, you need a, you, you know, a climber, but the tree's crooked? Do you just go um, find another tree or do you use one of your, your lock-ons? Well... Around here, I usually I'm most of the time I'm okay with the uh, the climber. Um, yeah. But like last year, I I tried a high out. I hunted out there. Um, when I went out there, I took both. Okay. I took a lock on and a climber, and there was instances where you know scouting where I would have to use the lock on. So I packed that thing in there a couple of times and the lock-ons I did have, they were, they're just, you know, the cheap Walmart special ones. Yeah. So they're all steel and they're, they're not that uh, light. Right. Okay. Kind of, kind of noisy. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I didn't want to, you know, make an investment eat just yet. Okay. Until, uh, until I saw how it worked out. Right, right. So, did you um, oh, the, on the climber? What brand of climber is it? And do you think it works pretty well? It's an X stand, and yeah, yeah. I don't have any complaints with it. Um, now, I did have a uh, a buckle for the shoulder strap broke, but that was just a uh, yeah typical thing, plastic breaking in the cold weather, but. Right. Other than that, I don't have any complaints about it, except for maybe if they made their buckles out of something else, because I did have an instance two years ago where I had, um, it was a decent eight point. It was underneath my stand and, uh, it was moving pretty good. And when I went to turn around in the tree to, you know, catch them on the other side, my boot hit the buckle which hit the stand and made a noise and that stopped the deer dead in his tracks right underneath of me. And as soon as he looked up, he, uh, he took off running cause he knew I wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> that so, sucks, man. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was painful to watch, especially right. when he's right below your stand, you know? Right. Just right. the way he came in, I never had a shot because he was always facing directly at me. Okay. 
So let's talk a little bit about um, maybe a dream hunt. You you mentioned uh, that you you want to try you want to start exploring some western hunts uh, in in the future. What uh, what kind of animals do you want to go after out west? Uh, you name it, and I'm I'm down to go after it. Um, but mainly, uh, my first option is going to be going archery elk hunting yeah um i'm not sure where yet i have been applying in pa we do have a uh a lottery elk draw for up north um but chances of hitting that are very very slim right um how how does that work so you you pretty much you buy it's a 10 well for resident it's a 10 dollar application and if you don't draw, you get, uh, they call it a preference point, but it kind of works like a bonus point. So your name goes in the hat an extra time, you know, if you have one bonus point. Right. Okay. So, so out West, you're thinking about elk, um, or any, anything. So that would be the, 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 uh, animal on the top of your priority list would be elk archery. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, I do want to try, um, mule deer. I'm not sure if we're going to, I'm going to do archery right off the bat with that one yet, but. Right. Do you know what state you want to hunt in? Um, well, it's either between Colorado or Montana. Okay. Although I've heard Idaho has some nice mule deer. Um, I'm not sure about the elk though. Okay, cool. Well, it sounds to me like you got, uh, you got, uh, plans anyway. That's a good thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now if I can get the time to make it out there, but I, uh, I've been doing a lot of research into what, uh, units to apply for to start building up my points. Uh, right nice i know yeah. wyoming has a nice unit unit 10 good for uh for the elk but i have to start getting them getting them in there that's right uh i think my myself and uh, a couple of my buddies have been putting in for wyoming and uh i think this year is three for elk and antelope three preference points and then i also have i also bought one mule deer point this year as well so uh, i'm looking forward to taking uh taking advantage of the preference point system uh in the near future when i can start drawing and then uh or you know i think i'm going to go on a over-the-counter elk hunt first and then let my points kind of build up so that way when it is time to draw in wyoming i can you know i don't want to say i'm going to have the pick of any zone i want but (laughs) i have i have enough to be you know in the in the running for that yeah 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 that's what i pretty much get experience first before you go in for the, the better stuff you know absolutely absolutely well, I tell you what, Justin, um, I really appreciate you taking time to uh, come on the podcast today and chat with us about hunting in Pennsylvania and uh, your gear and uh, your plans for out west. Yeah, no problem, man. 
And there you have it, another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to Justin for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing some stories with us. Huge shout out to each and every one of you for downloading this podcast. Also, huge shout out, big shout out to all the partners of this podcast. Bighorn Outfitters, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Exodus Trail Cameras, be sure to check out the lift too, Ozonics, Gearhead Archery, Wasp Archery, and Ripcord and Deer Lab. Go check out all those partners, support them because they support me. Uh, Other than that, guys, thank you very much. Have a great week. And remember, if you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness. Thank you.